You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com. And thanks to a Seahawks win in Philadelphia, we have another week to get ready for playoff football. John Boyle, I can't help but noticing that you're dancing in your seat over I just, there. I love the music. It's so yeah. fun. <laughs> uh, I'm fired up, you know, divisional round. Eight teams left. Seahawks are one of them. That's fun. Yeah, John Boyle's got everything you need to know about this week's matchup on Seahawks.com. I, of course, am Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seahawks. You've been with us all year, and I hope that this year continues. I do think it was fun to see the Seahawks on the road in Philadelphia, and I think they proved again this is a road team going into Green Bay. Yeah, there's going to be some mystique involved. There's going to be crazy fans. It is a tough opponent, but if any team, has been built to do this in recent memory for the Seahawks, it is this one. Yep, they're as battle-tested as they come. I mean, you go on the road this year and win eight of nine games, and they beat some good teams on the road, you know, playoff-caliber teams, including a playoff game last week. It's, you know, look, I get, I've seen a lot this week about the Seahawks' history in Green Bay. They haven't won there since whenever, but this current team doesn't care. I mean, there's only a handful of guys that have even played there uh, going back a couple seasons to 2017, so... They're really confident going on the road. They know they can win anywhere right now. Yeah, the Seahawks have lost eight straight games at Lambeau Field, but they're not concerned about that. And they're really not concerned about where the offense is going to come from if you were going to have a performance like you got last week from DK Metcalf. So many good things about the rookie. And I don't know which impressed me most, but I tell you what, we're going to start with that touchdown just to jog your memory of what that 53-yarder sounded like. Goes in motion. Russell play fake. Now he's going to throw down the middle. Got a man. Metcalf makes the catch. Diving. He is in for a touchdown. Seahawks. What a play by the rookie. DK Metcalf gets in behind the secondary. Makes a diving catch. Hits the ground. Gets back up. And then drags a defender to the end zone. 53 yards. What a play by number 14. Simply spectacular, and the Seahawks lead by 10. I like the way you can hear the Philly fans booing yeah. and yelling in the background. <laughs> they of the booed radio. a lot on Sunday. Yeah. Rabel had the great call at the end of the game about uh, the one-finger salute they were getting. So. Oh, don't jump ahead. We oh, might get on? to that oh, one in a minute. That? I'm but, sorry. You know, what I was going to point out about DK, and look, everybody's talked about him this week, certainly a sensation as a rookie, but the thing that we haven't talked about in a long time is how strong he is. Yes, his physique, yes, he has great hands and he can run routes, but what we saw in that touchdown play is the thing that Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll talked about earlier in the year. It is his aggressiveness and his toughness and his physicality that perhaps surprised them a little bit more than anything and if you go back to training camp DK spent some time working with the D lineman and drills to make sure that his hands were strong and that's something that he got from his dad who had played in the NFL as an offensive lineman said look it's the same type of person that you're going to need to go against so why don't you go ahead and and get that strength and get those skills now and I think on that touchdown yeah I know it wasn't a defensive lineman but he certainly showed how strong he was and how aggressive he was in finding the end yeah and also just both the athleticism and presence of mind to go to the ground and get right back I mean if if he's a tick slower getting up he's touched down because he 
you if you look at that in slow motion, his knees just off the ground when the DB gets there. And then, yeah, as you said, he just kind of drags him with him, takes him for a ride those last few yards. He's, I mean, he is having a special year for a lot of reasons. It's been it's been really fun to watch, and it's cool to see just how much Russ trusts him in big moments, which we can get to here with that play at the end of the game that really put it on ice. Yeah, I was not expecting this play, and I was so thrilled because I'm kind of going the other direction. I'm a little bit blocked off from the actual catch, but it was the excitement in Steve Rabel's voice that got me excited on this one. Blitz is coming. Russ is going to let it fly. He's got Metcalf deep. Metcalf reaches up. He makes the catch near midfield. What a play call by the Seahawks. Just throw it deep, and Metcalf makes the catch. He has been spectacular today, and the Seahawks now can use up this last time out of the Eagles and can run this clock down. The big first down, the huge completion, and we're getting the one-finger salute from the fans <laughs> left in the stands. It was your call. I, I forgot that was coming. Yeah, the uh, the best part is you hear Wyman in the background just chuckling because the fans are getting on them so much. Well, what you couldn't hear was Wyman in the commercial breaks threatening to give it right back oh, I'm to sure him. So is, there was a little bit of an inside kind yeah, of play on that one. But, I mean, to go to – I mean, I know he's having a great year, but still to trust a rookie in that situation. I mean, the, the safe play there, obviously, you hand it off one more time, make him use that last time out, you punt it. But then you're talking about a fairly short field and the minute, whatever it would have been, 30-something left if you punt there. Aggressive play call took advantage of them being really aggressive on defense, and Russ and DK made a great play again. Well, and remember, the previous possession had ended in a three and out when what you really wanted was the offense to use up some clock and perhaps even run that clock out. And so it did feel like you had to get that big play because you really didn't want the defense to get back on the field with the way that the Eagles were able to move the ball. Now, here's the thing with DK Metcalf. Everybody took notice of him on Sunday, even LeBron James. Like, there is no flying under the radar, as if you could. But I do think sometimes people look at what rookies did in the regular season, and it's easy to quantify, oh, yeah, but that that game was in hand. Oh, that wasn't as tough of a matchup. Mm -hmm. When you see what he did last week, you cannot overlook him. And so what you're looking at potentially for Sunday in Green Bay is Kevin King, the former UW athlete covering DK. And it'll be interesting because King has five interceptions. He has allowed a completion percentage of 58%. That is about average. But if you dive a little deeper, he is also allowing over 17 yards a completion. So it's a little bit of feast or famine there. And I'll be curious to see what happens with DK. Yeah. And I, you know, I think based on everything we've seen from him all year, he'll, He'll respond well to this attention because he's not letting it bother him. I mean, he he did an interview this just the other day, and he was just totally downplaying the LeBron stuff and everything else and shifting his focus to Green Bay. So he's going to be ready. You know, we'll see. We've seen all year with this offense. It's not one featured guy. They're really good at taking what a defense gives them. So, you know, maybe if the Packers decide to roll more attention to DK Metcalf, there might be more opportunities for Tyler Lockett, maybe for David Moore. You know, we'll, we'll see who, who gets theirs. But – Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to think that DK Metcalf isn't going to be a big part of this playoff run as far as it goes because he's just been phenomenal. Yeah, and perhaps Malik Turner, who also returned to practice after missing a couple of games with a concussion. On the defensive side of the ball, we saw the defense record seven sacks in Philadelphia, and they did not allow a touchdown for the first time this season. They limited the Eagles to 3-11 and on third down, and yet... 
it seems like everybody's making excuses for why that happened. Well, yeah, I mean, people are going to look at what the Eagles didn't have on the field and you know maybe conveniently ignore all the injuries the Seahawks were playing with in that game. But, yeah, I mean, look, you hold any NFL team out of the end zone for four quarters, that's a hell of a game. And, it, you know... It, I don't. I don't care who's playing. That's still there's still talent out there for the Eagles. It's still a great coaching staff. So you know, to me, injuries aside, that's a great accomplishment and it's a good sign for this defense. We've seen them be up and down all year. They've had some great games, some not so good games, but they tend to get a little streaky. So hopefully, this is the start of a little hot streak for the defense now that it's getting healthier. And I, I don't know that Jadavian Clowney is getting healthier, but boy, can he affect the play. Heck of an effort. you got to give him credit, even if it doesn't always show up in the stat line for what he was able to do Sunday. Uh, I thought Clowney had a big factor. You know, he, had, he was really just his, his presence, um, his activity. It was very much it was reminiscent of games we've seen, like San Francisco game earlier. Now, there's been a couple of those games when he's just a problem. Everybody's still working, and all the other guys were, were you know, were, you know, calling and scratching to get there. But it's just, I think that was the factor that was the, the difference maker. Clowney, as you said, it doesn't always show up in the big, you know, gaudy stats of a lot of sacks. But he, I mean, he did have a sack in the, one of the biggest moments of the game, that last fourth down the Eagles had. But more than anything, it's just how he affects the entire defense. He's getting pressure all the time to mess up kind of the rhythm of the opposing offense. He's creating opportunities for his teammates because he gets double teamed darn near every snap. So, yeah, the fact that uh, it is encouraging. He did practice limited on Wednesday, which is an improvement. You know, last couple times it's been, you know, maybe Wednesday off, Thursday off, Friday limited or Thursday limited, whatever. So to be out there in any capacity Wednesday, and Pete Carroll said he, you know, came out of it feeling okay, you know, about how he has He's not going to be 100% as long as the season goes, but if he's able to give you what he gave you last week, that's going to help the defense a lot. And what does that mean going against Aaron Rodgers? Because there's so much talk around his numbers, and I know that it's a different system, but I don't know. Is it Jadavian against Aaron that we should be looking at most, or are you counting on that running game? I mean, they've their offense in a lot of ways have gone has gone the way Aaron Jones has gone this year. You look at you know the, their their three losses were some of his least productive games. They're really good when he runs the ball well or gets really involved in the passing game or both. So, um, I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers is he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's still playing at a very high level. You need to be worried about him. Uh, we we see it every week in Russell Wilson. He's the kind of guy that you can get a good pass rush on him and he makes you miss, and then he does something crazy and makes a big play out of it. So it's going to be hard on the defensive backs. It's going to be hard on the pass rush. I, I don't take Aaron Rodgers lightly for a second, even if his numbers are down. But, yeah, they're much more balanced, and I think Aaron Jones is a huge factor now. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers is completing 62% of his passes this season. That is the lowest uh, completion percentage of his career. And that completion percentage has been declining in the last four years. And having said that, he threw just four interceptions and 26 touchdown passes this season. And when you mention Jones, certainly you want to build an offense around him when you consider that he was the only player in the NFL this season with multiple games of three or more rushing touchdowns. But also you do go back to the difference in coaching. The last time the Seahawks faced him, Mike McCarthy was the head coach. This time it is Coach LaFleur. They're different. They're a different offense and a different, you know, they look different on both sides of the ball. They've made some big adjustments. I think the thing that looks the most obvious is, uh, is the way the running back's playing. You know, Aaron Jones has just been a huge factor for them. Um, 
and he's he's taken the pressure off the quarterback spot. Um, you know, he rushed for a thousand yards, caught almost 50 passes, and has been elusive. He scored 19 touchdowns or something like that. You know, I mean, he's been a huge, huge factor. I think that has changed them as much as anything. But schematically, they're different too, though. Um, you know, Matt runs a different offense. So there's a lot of things that look the same, but it's not coming from the same notebook. Yeah, and, and I do think, to go back to your point, it is Aaron Rodgers, right? We, we've talked to the guys. It's like, okay, so how do you plan for this? What have you seen? And every single one of them says, well, you got to stop the run, but also we know what Aaron Rodgers can do. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still very scary when, when he needs to make a play. He's, I mean, that arm he has is very unique and rare in terms of his ability to throw from any angle on the run, throw it way downfield. And, yeah, I mean, you, I don't care what, you know, mentioned the passing numbers are a little bit down but as you said still only four interceptions which means he's making plays and taking care of the ball you got to be careful with him well and unlike the Eagles team we saw last week where Carson Wentz didn't have any receivers to throw to Aaron Rodgers has been throwing to guys all year long five players with 400 or more receiving yards and when you talk about getting downfield Let's back up for a minute and some of those teaching points, talking points for Trey Flowers, because we did see the ball get downfield a little bit for the Eagles. We also saw Trey Flowers making a couple penalties he didn't need to. He was in great position on both plays and didn't have to make any contact. That's really, he, he made an unnecessary effort to, to try and you know disrupt the guy just as the ball was getting there, as opposed to just waiting it out. You know, he, he's done it. He's done it really well over the course of the two years, just timing in his field and the patience. But he got a little impatient on both those plays. Just needed to wait him out. So, you, you know, you keep throwing. You ask him how we you know, keep throwing balls at him and making sure that you know, he's practicing the, the timing of that and and how to stay clean on it. So he's a big body and he already looms large for you know up against those guys. He doesn't have to make you know make those unnecessary type of uh, swipes at the ball that gets him in trouble. So. Yeah, I mean, Trey Flowers, he's he's had a great second season, you know, making the improvements you would expect to see out of a young guy in a new position. Uh, but as Pete Carroll said, he those were kind of unnecessary penalties. He wasn't – this wasn't a guy getting burned and grabbing a guy or, you know, just some bad mistake. It was just he got a little anxious and got his hands in there more than he needed to. He, he knows he's going to have to clean that up because Aaron Rodgers is the kind of quarterback who's smart enough to recognize us. if somebody's having an issue with something, he'll attack it. So, yeah, it's going to be – they're going to test the Seahawks downfield, probably not just Trey Flowers, but they'll test the secondary, and he's going to have to clean up some of those mistakes. Yeah, and we have seen him do that earlier this year, where you get to that moment and he just isn't trusting himself to make that play. That guy studies more film than I see anybody Every else. Every time you're do. in there. Every he's time sitting on the you're floor in the locker in front of his locker. And then yesterday after practice, working with the wide receivers in the end zone on making some of those plays and making sure that his body positioning was there. One more note on the defensive side of things in the secondary before we move on, and that's another young player who's getting a lot of run, and we could see him on the field a lot this week in Ugo Amadi as he really has slid into that nickel role Pete Carroll is impressed, certainly by the speed that he's showing. He's doing a good job, and uh, I'm really glad that we made the commitment a few weeks back to get him in there to allow him to grow. I uh, wish kind of we would have done a little bit earlier. Just we would have seen him develop faster because he's just he's really kind of blossoming. Uh, he understands the position well. He understands the disguises of it, and there's a lot of intricacies in the nickel spot. And uh, he's a really bright kid, and he's handling it really well. So um, he's in a good place to make plays. What is? What do you think it means when Pete says, "I wish we would have gone to him earlier"? 
Well, I, I can tell you, Seahawks Twitter felt really vindicated by that because I've seen <laughs> I've seen a lot of tweets, both in weeks leading up to him taking over that role, wondering why he wasn't, and now kind of celebrating Pete Carroll saying that. So, I guess they can call this one a W. But uh, yeah, it's there are times. Look, Pete Carroll's always talked about he's not afraid to play rookies, and you know, it's the old Bud Grant used to say, "You lose a game for every rookie you play," and Pete Carroll doesn't believe that. But there's still a trust factor of if you're going to play that rookie, he's got to know what he's doing. And as Pete alluded to, there's a lot of intricacies of that nickel job. So, you know, they they waited a while to go to him. And I think they're seeing now that with the upside he's showing, now they're thinking, you know, it's kind of like Puna Ford last year. They waited a while. And Pete Carroll said that after the season, you know, they probably should have played him sooner. So whatever the, you know, the pass is a pass. You're still in the playoffs. You're still playing. So that mistake didn't kill you, obviously, if you do view it as a mistake. And now you hope that he can make some big plays for you. I mean, he's he has looked really good. You know, he shows up on third down. He's made a lot of third down stops, had some good coverage on an incomplete pass on that first third down against Eagles. So, yeah, he's he's an exciting player. He's the kind of guy we, we saw him almost score a few weeks ago on the, the incompletion yep. as it was ruled against Carolina. But he's the kind of guy that just you feel like he's a big play waiting to happen out there. Yes, and let's keep in mind that size is going to be a factor for him. And it is hard to put him on the field if you are going to play a lot of, play against a lot of big tight ends. Exactly. Because he's always going to give up some, some height and some uh, weight on that one. But, yeah, the speed is going to make up for it. Now, let's flip this around. Talking about speed – Watching Marshawn's footwork, again, this is just in practice. Because in games, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. going on. I was amazed this week just really watching him, how fast he was doing the ladder drills and how he set the pace. And I guess Pete Carroll's seeing the same thing because we should be seeing a little bit more of Marshawn. Well, he's just, you know, he's had a couple weeks uh, under his belt. And that's, that's, it's just, and he's made it through clean. He feels, feels fine um, physically. So he's just more available to us for, for more opportunities. That's, that's all. He was on the field for 18 plays last week against Philadelphia, 23 plays versus San Francisco. What does this actually mean, John? I mean, we'll see. I, I think a lot of it could depend on how the Packers decide to play the Seahawks You know, defensively. Philadelphia is a team that's been very committed to stopping the run. They did that again, and they were really good at it. They made it really hard on the Seahawks, so there just weren't a lot of running plays available for Marshawn Lynch or Travis Homer. Green Bay doesn't you know, statistically have as good a run defense. They're really talented back there, but they just they haven't you know, put put up the numbers. If they are going to load the box and put everything into stopping the run, then, you know, we might not see a huge game out of either running back, and maybe it's on Russell's shoulders again. But if they, you know, played a little more balanced and they don't want Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett beating them, there's going to be some chances to run the ball. And I, I do think we'll see it, you know, where Marshawn Lynch isn't. He's not going to suddenly be the 20, 25 carry running back two weeks into his return, but it might balance out a little more where he gets a little more of the workload. How much do you think it depends on who's playing on the offensive line? Because if you think about Jamarco Jones inside, he is a really talented pass blocker. Run blocking is not nearly as strong with him as it would be if Mikey Potty was on the inside. I think Dwayne Brown probably makes a difference if he's back versus George Fant. And if if Dwayne Brown is back or a Potty's back, that gives you the six linemen available to do some of that stuff. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're a, they're a much better power running team if they have Micah Potty in there, if they have the sixth lineman package available because Dwayne Brown is back. So, yeah, I think you could see more of Marshawn Lynch, some more of the kind of power runs if you get everybody healthy. But, yeah, they're, 
you know, we know they're going to try to run it, but as they showed last week, they're not going to be stubborn and just pound it into nothing if it's not there, and they showed they can win it throwing the ball. Well, and they have faced some really good defensive fronts. They are going to need all of that experience when going against these Green Bay linebackers. The Darius Smith and Preston Smith, watch out for them. They're they're really effective, and they have 25 sacks between those two guys, if you can imagine, you know, and, and uh, uh Preston Zadarius, both those guys are, are fantastic players. Um, I don't know that anybody gives you more problems than Zadarius does, you know, in all of the things that they do with him. He's all over the place. Um, they, they've recognized that he is an impact player, so they'll spot him in a number of different locations with the different packages that they do. They have a multitude of things that they try to do pack, sub-package-wise, and uh, he's the featured guy, and so he's a real problem. The Packers are the only team in the league with two players that had 12 or more sacks in the regular season. That would be Zadarius with 13 and a half, Preston with 12. And here's a number that I really don't like. I don't know if you saw this next-gen stat say that Zadarius Smith had 84 disruptions in the regular season. That is hurries, pressures, and sacks. Now, the Seahawks have faced the other four guys on the list, so he's in the top five. That would be Aaron Donald, Shaquille Barrett, Nick Bosa, and... Daniil Hunter. So they can do this, but this is not going to be an easy one, especially oh, when he had a no. week of rest. It will definitely not be easy. He, they're going to be fresh. They're going to be getting after it. We have seen some improvement both from the Seahawks' pass defense lately, but also the way – P. Carroll talked about this. It's the way Russ and the pass blocking have worked together. They're not, you know, they're not just stonewalling everybody and giving Russell forever. But he's gotten. I feel like he's been better these last two games of feeling it and moving within the pocket. So, look, it's going to be a tough challenge. We just talked about getting some guys back, especially Dwayne Brown would help immensely with that. But yeah, it's this is going to be a big challenge, and they they got to keep Russell Wilson at least somewhat clean for that offense to work. Well, if you were coaching, what are the two things that you would preach and harp on that need to happen on Sunday? Make sure the Seahawks come out of there with a win. Well, for the Seahawks defense, I think, you know, as much as we talked about Aaron Rodgers and how respected he is, I want to see them slow Aaron Jones down and try to keep them one-dimensional. The numbers are pretty overwhelming that they win when Aaron Jones has big games. So keep him, you know, whether it's, let's say, maybe under 100 total yards. Then, you know, you don't got to shut the guy out, but keep him from killing you and getting multiple touchdowns. Offensively, I you know I know we talked about Marshawn Lynch getting going and the Seahawks are going to try to run the ball, but I I think this could come down to Russell Wilson again. So I want to see him have another big game, whether it's you know not necessarily great yardage, it could just be really good efficiency. But let's take care of the ball and have a big game from Russell Wilson. I'm going to say takeaways by the defense haven't had one in yeah, a couple of weeks. Games. They tend to come in bunches, so let's make this be the game, and then. When you get those takeaways, capitalize on the short field. You know, I don't know what the weather's going to be, but let's not settle for three. Let's make sure that you are finding the end zone because I have a feeling it's going to be a crazy finish. And however the game finishes, we are going to be back with you next week on another edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast. 